Well, I couldn't decide what to come as, so I decided to come as everything. Uh, the discerning among you will recognize the jacket. And um, it's, it's funny, isn't it, when you think about it, that, that humans, on the one hand, love the idea of all the nations coming together, and on the other hand, they're not very good at it. Right? So we have the Olympics, and everyone celebrates all the different nations and all the unity. Uh, maybe some of you remember the World Cup rugby 25 years ago. That's a long time. Uh, 25 years ago, and the theme tune, anyone remember the theme tune? World in Union, right, by Dame Kiri Takanopener, or whatever her name was, and, and the song World in Union, the, the chorus went like this, uh, it's a world in union, the world as one, as we climb to reach our destiny, a new age has begun. Oh, very rousing stuff, but I was looking at the list of wars that have happened in the world in the last 25 years, and I counted to 70 and gave up because it was depressing. We're not moving towards union. It's not something that naturally is going to happen, is it? We're very good at not achieving it. But I want to share with you one verse from the Bible that tells us that actually that is going to happen. God is going to bring people from every tribe and every language, every nation together in perfect unity. So I'll put the verse up on the screen for you. Uh, There it is. Thankfully, that's fully on the screen. And this is from Revelation chapter 5. And in Revelations, the final book of the Bible, and John, one of Jesus' disciples, when he was an old man, he got taken up to heaven and he got to see God's throne and all the stuff that was going on. And this is one of the things that we see as a description. He's talking about all the living creatures around the throne and they sang a new song to Jesus, Worthy are you uh, to take the scroll and to open its seals. Don't worry about that today. For you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And then you get this incredible chorus that follows that of all these people from every uh, tribe and language and people and nation celebrating how amazing God is. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? Wouldn't you love to catch a glimpse of what that will be like? I want you to notice a couple of things about that verse. First of all, notice it's not praising the people. It's not saying good job world for coming up with the ultimate Olympic celebration as if we're going to somehow achieve it. It's a song that's being sung to you, Jesus, worthy are you because you have done this. And then notice as well, it says people for God from every tribe and nation and people and language. It doesn't say everyone from everywhere. But God's going to take people from every tribe and nation and language and bring them together to celebrate and to to be united together. And what I want us to do is just think about that and try to understand that verse. And I'm going to need some volunteers to help me do it because I'm going to try to explain that one verse with four events from history, okay? And I need someone to help me. Who's going to come and hold something for me? I need someone who's tall enough so that they can hold something up and be seen. Do you want to? Do it. Come on up. Okay, let me see. Which one should we go for? Let's go with this one. Can you hold that up so everyone can see it? That's quite heavy. You're going to be tired after a while. So this is a Spanish-English dictionary, right? It's, it's for people who need to be able to understand someone who's speaking a different language. But why do we speak different languages? So, sorry, what's your name? Joshua here is going to represent for us the event where all the languages began. 
way, way back, thousands of years ago, all the people were united together and they were rebelling against God and they were saying, get away, God, we don't want you, we can do it. And God said, these people are not obeying me. I'm going to confuse their languages and I'm going to spread them out across the world. The Tower of Babel, you might know the name of the story. Okay, so Joshua is representing for us, you can use two hands if you like, I mean, you're obviously strong, but representing for us all the different languages that happen because of the Tower of Babel. In fact, let me just grab this for a second. Little, little quiz for us. Let's see what we can come up with. Different languages in the world. Where should we start? Let's start somewhere nice and easy. Europe. What languages do they speak in Europe? English. Is that enough? Or are there any other? Yeah, go on. Second. French. Yep. What else? Shout them out. Germany, Swedish, Finnish, Portuguese. Okay, you're doing well. Italian, absolutely right. Yeah, we could keep going. Okay, let's go somewhere else. How about... How about Asia? What languages do we have in Asia? Mandarin. Mandarin. Yeah, that's one. Big one. Thai. Malay. Yeah. How many languages in India? Do you know? Officially, there's 23 languages in India. Officially. Official languages. There's unofficial languages like crazy in India. Okay, so that's good. All right, that was straightforward. Okay, let's go for another easy one. South America. Spanish. Now you're stuck, aren't you? Okay, it's getting tougher. French. Yeah, Portuguese. A bit of Dutch in the tiny little islands right here. Welsh. Patagonia. Amazing. Okay. And a whole load of tribal languages. By the way, the reason you're struggling with those flags, Dave, is because they're all South American countries. Okay, so some of those are like Nicaragua and stuff. Very obscure. Okay, what about North America? That's an easy one. English, French in Quebec, Spanish almost everywhere. Uh, there's more than that. You know what? Inuit, yeah, that's right. There's actually Native American languages, 175 of them. And the biggest of those is Navajo, okay? And no one here is fluent in that, but 175 native languages in North America. All right, ultimate test. Ugh. Australia, or Australasia as it's sometimes known. They speak English, right, and Maori, Aborigine, there's quite a lot of Aboriginal languages, anyone know? Mike's thinking it, I can tell. 27 um, families of languages among the Aborigines. Okay, what about Africa? Let's go to Africa. Swahili, yeah. There's also English, French, Portuguese, but some of the other exciting ones? Bemba, hello. Zulu. The, thank you, yeah. On the video at the start, you saw the African children singing. They were Zulu. By the way, that was a Zulu choir singing with the English language. Uh, at another point, there was Spanish and Portuguese mixed together. Was, that was quite an exciting video. So lots of languages. Of, unofficially, there could be 3,000 languages in Africa alone. And apparently, there's about six to 7,000 languages in the whole world. And that verse says people from every language are going to be ransomed for God. Isn't that amazing? You must be tired, right? You, you hanging in there? You doing okay? Good. Okay, so all started at the Tower of Babel when God, you got it? When God divided up the people and made them speak different languages so that they would need little dictionaries like this to be able to communicate with each other because he wanted them all over the world. But then as another event, I need another volunteer. Uh, okay, Joel, you can come up. 
fittingly with an English uh, sports shirt on, I'm going to have you hold something that looks alcoholic. Okay, so it's not. Okay, it's elderflower cordial. I know some of you are concerned, but pretend it's not. Okay, so another big event happened about 2,000 years ago when there were people speaking lots of different languages. It was just after Jesus had gone back to heaven, and there was all these people gathered in Jerusalem, and God's Spirit came down on these people, and they suddenly started speaking all these different languages, at least 15 languages on that occasion, and we call that event Pentecost. And everyone was confused, and they said, these people must be drunk, hence the elderflower cordial, which is not what they were thinking. But they thought, these people must be drunk, and Peter stood up, and he said, no, This is God's Spirit that's been poured out on us, the Holy Spirit, and that's why we're able to tell you the good news. So God did the Tower of Babel, right, that Joshua's representing, but God also did Pentecost that Joel's representing to show that actually his ultimate goal is not to move people apart, but to bring people together. But Pentecost was 2,000 years ago, and we don't have that yet. That is still future. People from every... I've got to learn the order of these things. Tribe and language and people and nation. God is doing that. And ultimately, that's going to happen. But we've got to put two more events in to make sense. Can I have another volunteer? Come on up. I'd like to hold that up and let everyone see what it is. You stay right here. That's perfect. So way back, even before the Tower of Babel, right at the beginning of the Bible. What's that you're holding? That is definitely an apple. And the apple gets all the credit for what happened in the Garden of Eden. Now, I personally don't think it was necessarily an apple. I think it could have been another fruit, but that's a discussion for another day. But let's think of it as the apple. It was the fruit that was on the tree that God said to the people, don't eat that fruit, right? And Eve took the fruit and she ate it and she gave it to her husband and he ate it. And they were saying, when they took that, they were saying, we are rebelling against God. We do not want you to be God. We want to be God. Which is why a few chapters later, you get the people that Joshua was representing rebelling against God. It's because, oops, sorry. It was because from the start, they had rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden. So we've got people that have rebelled against God. They've showed their rebellion, so God's had to divide them up. And then we come to the point where there's Pentecost, and suddenly God is bringing people together. How could he do that? What's changed between what we've got on this side and what's happened here? I need one last volunteer. Go on then. Come on up. Are you strong? Can you hold this? You don't have to hold it up too high. And don't get any splinters because then I might get sued. Okay, so this is a piece of wood. And this is the most important event in all of human history. This was uh, something that God had planned since even before time began. Even before people rebelled and people shook their fists at God, he said, I'm going to take care of the sin. I'm going to deal with it. And who was it that came to the earth so that he would end up attached to a piece of wood. Horrible thought, isn't it? But who was it that came to earth to go to a piece of wood? Jesus, right? That's what the Bible tells us, that God's Son came to this world to face the ultimate punishment, to die for his sin, but he'd never sinned, to die for the bad stuff that he'd never done. But he did it as a substitute so that we wouldn't have to do it. He died to pay the penalty for us so that we can live. That's brilliant. Thank you. I'll take that before you injure yourself. 
and that before whatever. Okay, thanks, Joshua. Thank you all. You've done great. You're welcome to have the apple if you want to, but we'll put that there. So think about that history. You, you guys can sit down. Good job. Just think about that. Four events that tell the story of how this verse makes sense. And I'll show you what I mean. People rebelled against God. There was a problem. He had to divide them up by using different languages because otherwise they wouldn't spread out like he told them. But then Jesus came to die on the cross to pay for the sins of the people. Notice the word ransomed in that verse. Ransom means to pay and to buy back. Jesus came to pay a price to buy humanity back for himself, for his father. And then we see the immediate evidence of that with God speaking through those people so that everyone could understand the message in their own language. But that's not the end of the story. This is that one day people from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation are going to be brought out by God to celebrate God's love. Isn't that amazing? You know, we live in a world of a lot of people, and I I was just thinking earlier how one of the greatest privileges I've ever had was when I was in Kenya some years ago, and there was a guy there in the Bible college where I was teaching called Stephen, and Stephen said, "Uh, tomorrow afternoon, would you like to come with me to visit my people? I said, I'd love to visit your people. You know, when we say my people in this country, it usually sounds like a threat, but over there, you know, I I thought this would be great. So we got in the Jeep and we drove and we drove up to this mountain. We went up this mountain and there were all these people gathered around and they all knew him because he was one of them. I forget the name of the tribe, I'm sorry. But he said, "Um, if you want to take pictures of the children, you can do it, but just make sure you show them your camera. And so I was taking pictures of the children, then showing them my camera. And it was really fun because they were talking to each other really fast. And he said, do you know what they're saying? I, I have no idea, I said. He said, they're telling each other where the, each other are in the picture. But what they're not saying is that's me because they've never seen themselves before. They've never seen a picture of themselves. So they could look at a picture and they could say, oh, that's my friend Joshua and that's Joel. And, you know, oh, and, and then it's like they run out of names. Who's that other person? That's you. Is it? I mean, these were people that were living in mud huts on a mountain in Kenya. And as we were up there, he said to me, you know what? I am the only person in this entire tribe that knows Jesus. There's no church. There's nobody else. I, so far, I'm the only one, and I'm praying for my people. That was an incredible privilege to be stood among a completely unreached people. And to think that one day there will be people from every language, and hopefully not just Stephen, but hopefully others too, who are ransomed because of what Jesus has done. They've heard about Jesus dying on the cross. They've trusted him that that death was for them and that God's love is for them. And they've said, God, I want you to put me in your family. And one day when this human history that we're in finishes, we're going to be able to see that. Hopefully, we will all see that. Hopefully, you'll be there. Because remember, I said it's not everyone from every tribe and nation and language. It's those who trust Jesus. It's those who recognize that we cannot save ourselves, that there's nothing we can do to be good enough for God. There's no new leaf we can turn over that's going to fix what's wrong inside of us. But instead, for those who say, okay, if Jesus died for me, I accept that. I'm in. Uh, forgive me, make me part of your family, however you want to phrase it, when your heart leaps towards Jesus and you say, okay, Lord, I'm yours, it means that one day you'll be there. 
and you'll get to be part of the greatest choir the world has ever known. And for those of you like me who aren't good singers, it's not just choirs forever in heaven. That's a depressing thought for some of us. There's also a lot of other stuff that we'll enjoy, but we'll enjoy it together. We'll enjoy it with Kikuyu, and we'll enjoy it with Japanese, and we'll enjoy it with Hindi, and we'll enjoy it with Australian and Aborigine and Navajo and Sioux. Uh, that's the, the tribe. Maybe there's a Sioux too. And, and we'll enjoy it with Paraguayan and, and all the different nations gathered together. And we'll say, you know what? It's not us. It's not that we achieved world in union. It's you. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for, look at what's missing here. I've just added it in now at the end. We can go to the next slide. For you were slain, and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. We will never achieve that, but Jesus has done it. And so the question that we've got to ask ourselves is, when that day comes, will we be there? Will we be part of the crowd representing the English-speaking world? I hope so. I hope you'll be there. And if you'd like to know more, if you'd like to ask questions, say, hang on a minute, I don't quite get it. Come and talk to me or anyone else from the church. We'd love to tell you more and explain more about that. And for those of us that know we're going to be there, maybe like Dave said, instead of being so caught up in our Chippenham world, maybe we can lift our eyes and see the world that God loves and pray for it and do what we can to be part of what he's doing all the time, reaching out to bring people to know him. Let me pray for that, and then I think we've got another song or two, and then we're going to be finished for the afternoon. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that one day there will be people from every language. And from our perspective, that's against all the odds. But Lord, we praise you that it's not about us. It's all about you. And I pray for everyone here that we will one day be in that crowd celebrating around the throne. I pray that you'd help us to get questions answered and find out all that we need to find out so that we can entrust ourselves and our futures to you. And even now, as we sing and as we enjoy being together here, we just ask that across the world, in many different languages, even in this moment, as the gospel, the good news of Jesus is preached, we pray that many thousands of people will trust him and become part of his family and become part of that choir. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.